2: This is Leafs Morning
1: Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a
3: fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill.
1: 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leafs talk
3: starts now. what is going on everybody hope everyone had a fantastic weekend and happy belated father's day to all the great hockey dads out there presented by botano it's the monday edition of least morning take nick alberga and carter hutton with you jay rozzo back in the mix tomorrow huts what's going on buddy how are you good
0: man good to be back just you know a little time off there now i'm uh, ready to
3: rock here we got a cup winner and uh time to talk you know it's that time of year the draft coming and free agency lots going down And, of course, the NHL Award just a week away from uh, Music City, a place you know very, very well. And uh, good on you. Landed us a big, big fish today. He's the uh, Vesna Trophy frontrunner from the Boston Bruins. Linus Allmark's coming up in about 10 minutes from now.
0: Yeah, my goalie partner for three years. Nice enough to come join us. And, uh, you know, great guy. We had a great relationship. Our uh, our sons were good buddies in daycare together. And we. Uh, I feel like I kind of took him under my wing a little bit. He was much better goalie than I ever was. But, yeah, you know, now he's figured it out and it's it's been amazing. And I got a few buddies here that always tell me I, I called it. I, I said for a long time that he was going to be really, really good. And he used to frustrate me because he'd come to the bench. He wouldn't even be tired and he'd be stopping 35 or 36 and I'd be in there. Every time I strapped on, I was losing. I was like Bobrovsky, sweating my butt off, trying to keep up.
3: Uh, The numbers, man, were just uh, phenomenal this year. So looking forward to catching up with Linus in about 10 minutes from now. But uh, we, we got to break down Bill Carlson, without question, the MVP of the Stanley Cup parade on Saturday in Sin City. Let's get a breakdown first. Let's look at this video. have been here day fucking one.
1: you guys
3: are so amazing
0: we played arizona in the first game and we beat the shit out of them
3: (laughs) (laughs) i love the parting shots at arizona too everybody seems to do that eh
0: yeah it seems like that's the hot topic there cassidy and wild bill they're uh what a way to stamp that legacy in that cup run. And uh, obviously it was great. I was a little disappointed when they came and took the mic from him. You know, it's one of those moments you wish he could have ran with it, but, uh, but what we got was pretty impressive, especially the opening, uh, the opening fall come out of the gates was a, a really great way to set the tone.
3: Dude. I think, you know, hearing some stories, I think most of those guys have been gunned for like the last five days and it just continues and continues and continues. And I have friends out there who work at excess. They're at excess. They're everywhere on the strip, but Hey, They deserved it. It's an absolute grind. And I think every year we try to handicap who the drunkest guy is going to be. And without question, the MVP this time around is William Carlson, who I think is only fitting considering he's an original misfit, had 43 goals, what in his first season, and now he's a Stanley Cup champion. So what a story. Remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out at the Leafs Nation 4-1 here on YouTube. Additionally, we're available wherever you find your podcast. Just search Leafs Morning Take. Don't forget to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest on all things Toronto Maple Leafs. Thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, you can drop us a line in the chat down below here on YouTube. We'll get to them a bit later on in the show, but for now, let's get over the boards. (laughs) Let's start with the very latest, and A a bevy of news and information came out, I guess, on Friday afternoon, as it always does, because we love the news dumps, of course, here on this show, but... It sounds like talks continue in that Matthews, the Matthews camp and Brad True Living and Company and Shane Doan, I believe, went out to AZ last week and met with Matthews and everybody's being optimistic and positive. But the intriguing part of the story is it sounds like Toronto's trying to go eight years here.
0: Yeah. Um, which is not really that surprising, right? You know, you're trying to get him, you're trying to lock him in, give him what he wants, but it's gonna be interesting to see what he takes, right? This is a real moment for I think the organization and for Austin to see where his commitment lies and what he wants and does this Shane Doan factor, you know, we know that he grew up watching Shane Doan, that he idolizes him. Now he's with the Leafs, you know, is this something that's going to help push him over the top to bring him in? And, you know, I think again, we have to look at what, what does he want, right? You look at the deals that like, you know, guys taking pay cuts, you talk about, uh, you know, Crosby or even McKinnon taking a reasonable number who won a Stanley cup. You talk about where McDavid is with his number. And so it's going to be interesting to see what he reels in here. And, you know, it's definitely something they have to get done.
3: I was going to ask you too, as somebody who most recently played in this league, how much do guys care about perception? Like, obviously you're going to have some guys who are just so egotistical. They don't give a shit what's going on, but do the majority of players actually care what's said about them in the media and stuff like that?
0: I, I would assume that Austin has it pretty probably turned off, you know, playing yeah. in this market for as long as he has, I feel like it would be a black hole, Um, you know, biting on everything that comes up or your Twitter. And I, I think sometimes there's a benefit to that as well, right? You talk about him taking more money, less money. He's obviously making a lot more money off endorsement deals. There's other ways to make big money in such a big market like Toronto. So there's also that factor, which which factors in using the social media, using your branding to really generate more revenue that can help you make up money you might lose. But at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And I, I think for him, it's just going to come down if he really wants to be in Toronto or not.
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. And I just wonder what that number would look like if it's an eight-year contract. I just don't think the likelihood of an eight-year deal coming out of this makes a lot of sense for the Matthews side. And and maybe they cave and maybe they meet somewhere in between. But I think the likelihood, if you were to ask me right now, of an eight-year contract extension, I just don't see it. I think they land on three to five years, which has been the speculation for a couple months now. But I, I think from a lease standpoint, you just want this guy signed. I, I really don't care how you get the job done. There's just no way you can lose Austin Matthews. And it's great to hear that he loves being a Leaf. He loves playing in this city. So I think it's all positive vibes, which is great to hear considering like a month ago, the sky was falling because Kyle Dubas, his buddy was gone, but Brad for living, has cleaned up the mess so far. And we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, but they're going to be busy, man. Like it's, it's crazy how many, mo- how many moving parts, like you talk about some of the UFAs and unrestricted free agencies two two weeks away, like Luke Shen, Uh, Had a great go of things in 2.0, the second run with the Toronto Maple Leafs. How far would you go in conversations? Because, I mean, it's no secret. Both sides are interested in an extension here, but it's got to make sense, right?
0: Oh, for sure. Right. And, and he's one of those guys that like, he kind of caught lightning in a bottle here. Like he, he had been struggling a little bit. He came in, but he also knows that he's kind of at the the end of his rope in a sense of his career too. Right. So I know he wants to be in Toronto and he wants to be there, but there might be other teams that are, you know, may give him a little more. And at this time, he's got to kind of line his pockets too. Right. Yeah. Ha- I won't knock a guy for that. And yeah. I guess sometimes I struggle with it because being a lower end player for so many years, right. When you were, you know, your every $50,000 or $100,000 under contract was important. And, you know, maybe he's trying to get a little more where you have Austin, who's like an extra million here when he's you're talking about crazy amounts of money. So it is the different end of the spectrum, right, Um, that you have to manage. And it's it's interesting in the cap era, especially I feel like that Matthews deal still hurts because of COVID. Right. And that cap never got to where it would have been. And it would have really ironed things out a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for sure. But there's a lot of uh, logs in the fire here.
3: Yeah, because I think there's no doubt right now when it comes to Shen, like he's not taking league min again. I think he's earned, you know, one and a half, two million, two and a half per season. And I I do take issues sometimes when media and, and just fans in general saying, hey, he should take a discount. Like, who are you to tell, you know, a player in this league, like, I mean, if your your work came to you and said, hey, can you take 50% less or you know 25% less, you'd be like, fuck no. Like I I just don't think people humanize the situation enough. And I think the importance of these contracts and all that. And I understand there, there's some haircuts to be taken, but I, I would never naysay a player for doing that.
0: No, I, I agree, right? Even for me, when I when I signed my contracts, we were always trying to maximize that. There was obviously other moving parts, you know, opportunities, things like that, but what I find sometimes is is we we want these guys to take pay cuts. It's like we're saying you're worth this value, but will you take this? And it's tough when you start comparing it relatively to other people's careers. And obviously, I understand the money we make, but it controls our whole lives every day. Your whole life, you've put into this work. And for me, being retired now, the paycheck stop. So now it's like, how can I strategically, you know, manage that my whole life? You know, obviously Shen to Matthews is a different perspective, but you got to make money when you can.
3: Yeah, definitely. And again, it's going to be so interesting interesting to see what happens here the next couple of weeks when it comes to Austin Matthews and Nylander and and Luke Shen and the draft. And we expect the Leafs to be busy. Are they in on Hannafin? Like it's just a remarkable time of year where everything comes together. And then everybody can just peace out for the offseason. So we'll get to the Oliver ekman Larson conversation a bit later on. Again, so thankful for you to bring in today's guest, an absolute stud. Uh, Vesna Trophy front runner. it's Boston Bruins netminer, Linus Allmark. What's happening, Linus? How are you, buddy?
2: What's up, boys? How are we doing? Fantastic. Oh, looking, looking good, buddy. Not no Look at that ugly there. mug in the middle, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's it. I'm usually sitting right behind you. He'll play a third goalie here.
2: Oh, I know.
3: <laughs> <buddy>. uh, Linus, <laughs> I'm uh, doing
2: great. Thanks for having me, guys.
3: Hey, our pleasure. I just wanted to get a scope of, of uh, you know, obviously the awards next week in Nashville. I'm actually going to be there. Um, you're nominated, as we know, for the Vesna Trophy. Do you have an outfit picked out? Have you written a speech? Would you just wing it if you had to do a speech? Take us behind the scenes. How are you feeling about it right now?
2: Uh, I think it's still kind of weird at the, at first. You know, it's it hasn't really happened yet, and. Uh we're still in Sweden at the moment. And I think when once we get the uh get on the road and start preparing in that way, uh with our travel, I think it's gonna kinda hit me a little bit more. But we got everything in order, got two fits going in there, got a speech prepared. Uh I gotta thank Miss Patrice Berger for to helping me out with that a little bit, you know, being a probably uh five or six time Selkie trophy winner, you know, you can learn a lot from from those guys uh linus obviously i knew
0: you'd have a tight fit there uh i was talking to nick about it i remember you always having the flashy suits and uh, i loved it what so going into this right i know for years we talked um you know playing with each other uh i always had supreme confidence in you i remember i've expressed that to you many times i remember a game we played florida that was when Bobrovsky just signed his big deal we beat him in a shootout and i remember talking to you after the game being like you are the next thing right trying to explain it to you and i believed in you and what pushed you over the edge this year? You know, what was that, you know, kind of all came together. Like you've had a lot of good seasons, but obviously this year was, it was the one that, you know, really separated you.
2: Yeah. So there's a lot of things. Uh, obviously you can't really pick and choose, you know, it was just that thing. It's not that uh, simple. Um, but I think most of the things were that for me, at least being a family guy, I love being around the family, you know, you, you spend so much time away from the family that, when your family's doing well, and you don't have to worry about the situations that's going on off the ice. You can put more emphasis and more focus on what you're actually doing. So that's happened really this year where uh, my whole family was thriving. You know, my wife, Moa, was having a time of her life. The kids were going to school as well. And it just felt like we were right at home, you know, and there was no extra, you know, uh, energy taken away from me uh, when I was on the ice. So. And I felt the same thing when, you know, during the COVID year when I was just thinking about myself and playing hockey, you know, that was the only thing they were doing because my family was back home in Sweden. And I felt like, OK, this is how it feels when I don't have to worry. So it was kind of a situation where it felt familiar, uh, but also very welcoming in, in the same sense. And uh, working together with uh, goalie Bob, uh, Bob Sensa, which has been a terrific thing for me at least you know i had a lot of great goalie coaches throughout my career but there's just something about that big fella that's just uh, feels right you know he's very we we work together very well on a personal level uh, and for me that's a huge part of it you know when when you can set high standards and you know exactly what to expect out of each other. So there's no bullshitting coming out of your mouth when it comes to uh, when you're looking at games uh, in perspective or you're when you're looking at games after the day after stuff like that. So together with that whole recall thing that everybody's been on
3: my uh, bum about, uh, I got to say that's the the golden trifecta. It really has been tremendous, man. And you're being humble and modest and it's so NHL goalie and so NHL player. Like you even scored a goal this year, Linus, like February 25th, <laughs> man. Like, what do you remember about that night? It was in Vancouver, right?
2: I got to thank Hutz for that one, actually, you know, um, because the th- the thing was too, that uh, during my days in, in in Buffalo together with with Hutz, you know, I, I got to learn from the best when it comes to playing the puck and hand the puck and all everything that comes in between. And it was mesmerizing because I remember playing against Hutz as well the year before he came to Buffalo and it was mesmerizing how good he was and the amount of plays that he was making left and right uh, center. And, you know, with with age also, that that's and the uh, confidence comes to your game. So when the opportunity presented itself this year, you know, I just took it and I sent it and I've been dreaming about it. I've been tr- practicing. Um, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've been practicing it, but everything just kind of came together at that particular moment.
0: Yeah, no, I can remember uh, shooting pucks with you. I can never shoot it as hard as you could, though. You had that big slap shot too. And uh <laughs>
2: yeah, no, that that's that's the uh, that was the next thing that everybody was on uh, talking about. Like next time that uh, there's uh, the is taken care of now, so either I gotta go backhand or, or uh, slap shot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, so we talk a lot about in here about the the up front the power play of Toronto and just in the NHL so we've been talking a little bit about like how Florida had this run and Vegas had this run during the playoffs and Toronto's power play and the dynamic forwards in the NHL now like how do you see Toronto's forwards you know Marner's Matthew Nylander comparatively to you know facing Florida facing teams in the Atlantic (laughs) Division Tampa and the power that comes now with this high-end offensive play in the NHL
2: I think that Toronto and Tampa are pretty similar when it comes to how they're playing it because there's so many dangerous options. You know, when you look at Florida, for example, it wasn't like they had five guys that were all a threat, but they were also very good at, you know, utilizing each other's strengths. But when you look at Toronto or Tampa, for that matter, you know, you have uh, Matthews, Kucherov, Headman, Riley, uh, and you know, and the list goes on and on. And they are, so skilled so deceptive so when you're assuming things that's when it gets dangerous because you're thinking that Matthews is going to shoot it and he makes the pass you're thinking that is going to make the pass and all of a sudden he rips it and that's what makes it so harder and so much more dangerous is that you can't really read off of them as easy as it is against other power plays you know as as hard as it is to um save a Alex Ovechkin one-timer it's easy to read that the play is going there, but the the hard part is to actually save the shot. But with with Toronto, um, once they start getting the puck moving up and down f- and front to middle, you know, with Tavares up front, it's it's tough. You know, it's it's quick, it's crisp, and uh, there's a lot of one tees that makes it harder to you know read the release.
3: And Linus, that's the incredible thing to me about this entire body of work in this season for you is that for my money, you're going to win the Vesna Trophy playing in that division, which is a murderer's role. I just we, we we reference. I mean, every team is fantastic. Even some of the lesser known teams like Ottawa and Detroit are coming up and it's just a really, really strong division. I just want to ask you, like, what would a Vesna Trophy mean to you? How much pressure did you feel going into a city like Boston knowing who was uh, their number one goaltender for a long period of time?
2: I didn't feel any pressure, really. You know, I had a lot of belief in myself. and I know that I can uh, play at a certain level. And for me, it was a nice opportunity to try something new. So I was looking forward and was pretty excited to come to a to an organization that was in a different time, or so I should say, compared to Buffalo at the time. You know, they're an up-and-coming team now as well. But, you know, Boston has been such an amazing team for so many years in a row now that just to kind of experience it firsthand has been amazing. You know, the, from the, from the first day of signing when I had a conversation with Berge to, you know, being two years in and being, having all these, you know, memories with all these guys, you know, we had a fantastic last season, obviously during regular season and, it's been it's been amazing, and you know, I'm, we I've had some conversations as well with with Tukes, uh, ever since he retired, and he's he's always there, you know. And he he's easy to chat with, easy to contact whenever you have any questions, and he's a former vest, and I've been there as well, and he's been, you know, in my mind, I think he's going to be a hall of famer as well. So it's nice to have a guy like that uh, behind the scenes that you can talk to when it comes, to, you know, you know, the mental aspect of the game, for example. Yeah. I think that's always
0: important, right? As you grow and we obviously took some bumps and bruises in Buffalo and you, and you developed into who you are today. And I think that's always part of the process, right? For me, I feel like when I was in the minors, I, I dealt with a lot of stuff and I grew into who I was. And I think about our connection we had, you know, we had, we obviously didn't have the success that you're having in Boston. Um, but we had a good, you know, working relationship and we fed off each other well. And I, and I watched Mm -hmm. this relationship that you and Swayman have, uh, which is obviously amazing to watch. And he's one hell of a goalie as well. So After this great season, you know, where do you guys grow together into this next season? And and how do you set goals coming into this season after such a remarkable season? Or is it just let's chip away and kind of, you know, see where this leads us here?
2: Um, I think that part is coming later when I'm going to have a little sit down with Bob and and talk about what to expect uh, for the next season. Because obviously there's going to be. Uh, way different kind of expectations uh, laid upon me. and uh, I think that the hardest part will be to meet those expectations now compared to you know before when you were just playing and no one was really giving um you know a crap about you, you was just there to to win games and they were more focused on on the team aspect. but now when you've had a stellar season out of in a lot of people's eyes, nowhere. There's gonna be more eyes, there's gonna be more expectations to to match those without, you know, crumbling on the mental aspect, because obviously I know that I have the skills to play here and I have the skills and uh to be one of the top goalies in the league. But to sustain it is also a skill in itself. And that's gonna be very it's it's inspiring and motivating in, in a sense of way because we've had we also have you know Henrik Lundqvist that I've always looked up to when it comes to that's you know being able to sustain success and playing at such a high level for such a long time is mind-blowing you know with all these season being plus 20 wins you know once you start playing in the National League that's when you realize okay this is this is hard you know to get 20 wins it's it's not, you know, a small feat. It's actually pretty amazing because if you play 40 games and you win 40 or win 20, that's a 50% win streak. So you just want to have to keep building upon that and not to be too hard on yourself.
3: And as uh, as Hutch just referenced, I mean, having a good relationship with your, your tandem mate or your partner is so, so important, I think, right now in this day and age. And for my money, the best bromance in hockey is you – And uh, Jeremy Swayman, taking nothing away from relationship with Carter, of course. How does that compare to your time with Hudson Buffalo? And can you just talk about like just the importance of that and and how everything grew with with Jeremy?
2: I think that my time with Hudson was very you know, it was a very good experience in the sense of way that, you know, I was a younger guy, uh, a was the older guy and took a little bit of a mentorship role for me at least and treated me with respect right from the start. You know, we, we set our goals. We had a lot of, you know, we had, you could talk about everything, you know, and there was never no any, um, ill will, you know, towards each other. Uh, we know that, you know, it's, it's not the goalie that, um, decides if he's going to play or not it's the coach or the coaching staff so why should i be pissed against or towards my my partner when that happens and you know the way that you know carter was uh, behaving and presenting himself you know doing stuff off the ice you know welcoming me and my family into their lives and their family you know we have kids around the same age it's it's what's important the aspect that when i came to boston you know, I took upon that role to be the same mentor for, for Sway and try to, you know, include him into our lives and be try to make him a part of our family. And, you know, he's a, he's even younger than I was. And so for him to feel safe in an in, in environment where I am is something that I'm very proud of and that our relationship together has grown to be this strong as it is. You know, I couldn't imagine it at first, but now it just feels like it was meant to be.
3: Yeah, it really is unreal watching you guys grow together as teammates. And it just genuinely feels like you love each other. It's awesome. I love the post-game hug, man. Uh, appreciate your time today. Looking forward to uh, everything down in Nashville next week. Good luck with everything, okay?
2: Thank you very much, guys. And I'll uh, see if I can meet you guys up there. Huh? Uh, right on, Linus. Thanks for coming on, buddy.
0: And I'd be, I'd be in trouble if I didn't. Palmer wanted to say hi to Harry. So I, he told me this morning I said I was going to talk
2: to you. So he was pretty pumped and not everybody our best. <laughs> I will, sir. And you give our regards to everybody there at home as well. Huh? See you, Linus.
3: Take, Take care. care. Linus. Thank you. The one and only Alina Salmark of the Boston Bruins. Dude, he just seems like first and foremost, aside from the goaltending, seems like just a teammate's teammate, if that makes sense. Like a guy you just love playing for and playing with, no?
0: Yeah. He's a great guy. He, uh, he's one of those guys, you know what I mean? He's a little bit quirky. He's a goalie, right? We all have our little things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think as he went, he, uh, he really grew into himself. He's matured and he's, and he's come into his own, but it's a process, right? Like I feel like sometimes these goalies do well and it's, and after that, it's, it's just, uh, it's just a bit of a stretch. Sometimes we want success immediately, right? There's growing pains. There's times where, you know, those years in Buffalo's where things didn't go well he's developed into who he is today. And it's, and it's been amazing to see his success.
3: Well, uh, again, very appreciative to Linus uh, coming on. And again, for my money, he will win the Vezina trophy on Monday. It's been such an epic, epic season for the Boston Bruins. The numbers alone are ridiculous. 46 and one, 1.89, 938, two shutouts. And it's just so unfortunate the way it ended for the Boston Bruins. Cause I really felt like they were a team of destiny. And, There could be some changes, monumental changes to that roster with Krejci and uh, Patrice Bergeron, but we'll see. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Linus wears at the NHL Awards in Music City next Monday. So we're going to pause a bit. We'll wait for that um, Oliver ekman Larson conversation. I want to get to the Botano wrap-up. It's presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. I'm going to put you on the spot here and I think Linus is still in the chat, but the uh, the Vesna Trophy coming up on Monday, if you had to handicap things, to me, it's got to be uh, Mark. but again, Connor Hellebuck and Ilya Sorokin obviously deserve to be in that conversation too.
0: Yeah, of course. They did, you know, like some... You know, I think Hellebuck got the Jets in the playoffs single-handedly, and Sorokin just keeps getting better and better. For a goalie, Sorokin, I usually don't miss on guys. Sorokin was the one I remember we played the Islanders, and he was. I was like, I thought this goalie had street hockey pads on (laughs) when he first came out, but oh my goodness, can he track a puck? He doesn't look like he's wearing a chest protector. It's unbelievable what he can do. Where you see Hellebuck and Linus, they have such a presence in the net. They're so big, and Linus is so patient and good, but... I would bet the house on Linus and uh, you know, I'm going to be really happy to see him win. I, I think it's a no brainer. I think it's a done deal. And uh, so they can the odds can't be very good on for that. So.
3: No, they're shit. I can tell you that right now. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to pump your winery. I wanted to see if, if Lena Salmar can get to your winery in Nashville, right? Well, he's been before he, okay. uh, he's in, he's endeavored into it. We've had a few function
0: there. He actually <laughs> tried to bring the Bruins there this year. We had talked a little bit, but I'm hoping the boys will hit it up. when we're, uh, when you guys are in Nashville And and we, I got to get down there soon. It's been too long.
3: Yeah. And maybe we can do a team function down there. Uh, of course, Batano, the recently named the 2023 EGR brand of the year and thankful to our friends over at Batano for bringing you that segment. I'm with you. I think Lena Salmark will win the VESA trophy next Monday. Okay, let's get back to the uh, Oliver ekman Larson conversation before we get to the chat. It's on fire here on this Monday as we get closer and closer to the NHL draft next week in Nashville. Then free agency kicks off Oliver ekman Larson, So he gets bought out by the Vancouver Canucks on Friday Um, it raised some eyebrows at least here in Toronto at least my bushy eyebrows he's going to be 32 when next season starts in my opinion he's still a top four defenseman like I think he's a perfect example of a guy who just needed a change of scenery and I can't believe they bought out like four years like they're going to be paying this guy for the next eight years but right away I thought uh, who does he know in Toronto well he knows Bradshaw Living he knows Shane Doan Uh, what do you think of that fit potentially the Leafs flirting and talking to a guy like Oliver Ekman Larson in free agency
0: you know I, I think it's going to come down to money you know he can yeah. obviously be a fit he's just still a heck of a player it's like what role do we see him in here you know where you've looked at the success of what the panthers did and knights and we talk about their back end and mm-hmm. i don't know where he fits in that role of that playoff gritty shutdown hard d-man but a player like that comes available and if it's at a good number you you can't turn that away he can play and he's got a lot to him but we'll, we'll have to see where he's at and at least he's getting paid out for the next foreseeable future too
3: oh and that's the unique thing too is like he gets a new contract on top of that but like you you start to think about reclamation projects and i was trying to think of some comps like right away kevin chat came to mind right he gets bought out by the new york rangers signs a one-year deal with tampa i think a 1.75 wins the stanley cup and then gets a three-year, $11 million contract, I think it was with the Anaheim Ducks. So it, it does happen. I mean, this isn't a guy like who was nothing earlier on in his career. I mean, he was a stud defenseman for Arizona for many years, gets traded to the Vancouver, and it just hasn't worked out. But I think if it gets into that realm of being a reclamation project where the money makes sense, I think you almost have to take a flyer at the very least, at least make that call for the Maple Leafs, because that was one of my major takeaways from the year, Carter Carter, it's is just the fact that I think you look at Toronto and you look at the depth in the back end, you try to compare them to Florida, try to compare them to Vegas, some of the other teams in this league. Top four-wise, they don't have the depth that these other perennial contenders have
0: no i agree i think that's the hole that we're looking at right you still i'll put the big four up against anybody but that back end is just it's just a little far behind and especially those big bodies right even look at like some of the way that those minutes they played with you know McNabb and white Cloud. they had these players step up and play like big minutes shut down time and i think it's somewhere they lack and and so you get another guy like oel who can play can he step more into that role and get away a little bit from the offense? Cause he is good, right? He is an amazing guys like him don't very come along very often, but he's had a weird time. And and I remember, I remember when Shaddy took that deal in New York, he took a pay cut to go to the Rangers because he wanted to be there. And then mm-hmm. they end up buying him out. So then you go back to we circle back to our first topic is he took a pay cut to try to help the team out because he wanted to be there and he ended up getting screwed. So, you know, it's one of those things the teams are going to do you dirty too, one way or the other. And it's it, it's definitely somewhere they need to fill on that back end, I think, to push them over the top.
3: I know somebody who isn't crazy about That's Travis Freeman, who's in our chat right now. He said, please, God, no, please, no. (laughs) Toronto needs a number one defenseman. Easier said than done. I get it. I I just think you're looking to build depth. And I think a guy like Oliver ekman Larson, considering he's going to get paid by Vancouver, probably comes on the cheap, probably doesn't come at full value. And I think at the very least, you have to make a call knowing the teams around you are going to call on him. Like he's been linked to Boston in the past. Like, do you want Olive reckman Larson and the Boston Bruins? Maybe I happen to think he's a better defenseman at this point in his career than than he leads on, and that he's played in Vancouver. But I do like the idea of a reclamation project. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But right away, I, I drew the you know the, the the comparisons, obviously, and the relationships uh, he's fostered and played with Shane Doan in Arizona. Uh, having Bradstreet Living, who is, I think, an AGM with with uh, Arizona when they drafted Oliver ekman Larson in 2009, it does make a lot of sense. But I think without question, every team in this league is always looking for help on the back end. And certainly Toronto, if they did call, would be among a lot, a lot of other teams. So I think that's a curious thing. And I think in general, people are looking past that when it comes to Bradtree Living. I think that's the one thing this team needs to solidify and bolster here in the offseason is the back end, no? yeah for sure without a doubt
0: right we talk about that we think wall's ready to make the jump you still have sam snuff that you can try to get done that back end is going to be the one that's going to put you know get you over the grind of winning those two on hockey games and, and keep you in that when it matters right we we know we can win in the regular season We've got to find a way to get it done when it comes down to it and uh you got to understand i think it's going to come down to what he wants too right like does he want to go to a winner is he just still trying to make as much money as he can because he's made a he's made a heck load of money and a boatload of it especially in arizona too i remember even his home he bought a house for four million sold it for 12 he bought it the right like it's, it's so good it's huh. nuts the money that oel's made in his career and he and deservedly so he's a heck of a player and you know if, does he want to go to a winning team that's ready to try to make that step too
3: yeah fair enough so uh, we'll see what transpires. but again just a thought of course getting bought out on friday by the vancouver canucks so huts we'll leave it at that again uh, so thankful of you to uh get and uh your your old goalie partner there in buffalo lena salmark on the show and i'm just uh I'm I'm genuinely curious to see how this Leafs team looks in the next two to three weeks, man. Like It it could look drastically different here. Yeah, there's a lot going to go down. It's going to be interesting and exciting times here. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon, okay? Yeah, thanks for having me on again. The one and only, my pleasure. That's Carter Hutton. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Again, at the Leafs Nation 401, if you haven't subscribed just yet on YouTube, at the Leafs Nation 401. Again, available wherever you find your podcast as well. Search Leafs Morning Take, and we'll pop up for you. Jay Rosso, back in the saddle tomorrow. Many thanks to producer Aaron as well. And of course, our our feature presentation on today's show, Lena Salmark. I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for listening and watching. We'll talk tomorrow. Take care.